0: Welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast, where we'll hear stories from Washingtonians from their favorite food at Waltz or the calf to their favorite Tiger Tunes shows and professors. We'll also find out what they've been up to outside the famed Washita bubble. I'm your host, John Merriman, Washita's director of alumni relations. Today on the Tiger for Life podcast is Dr. Lewis Shepard, a double Ouachita graduate from the class of 1980, earning his bachelor's degree in religion and master's degree in education. Since graduating from Washtenaw, Dr. Shepard has served as a bivocational pastor and has served since 2000 at Greater Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Arkadelphia. Dr. Shepard also currently serves as Washtenaw's Special Assistant to the President, focusing on advancing racial diversity and supporting students, alumni, and faculty and staff of color. Dr. Shepard is very active in the Arkadelphia community, including serving as Chair of the Board of Directors of the Percy and Donna Malone Child Safety Center. All right, Dr. Shepard, welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast.
1: Thank you, Mr. Merriman. It's good to be here this afternoon.
0: And normally, I ask people how things are in whatever city they're in, but you're only about a building away from me. So you know, how are things on the south end of campus today?
1: Well, the south end of campus is doing fine. It's warm. It's beautiful. And uh, as I said earlier, it's strange to look out and see students wearing short pants and short shirts um, with snow piled up in the parking lots. It's It's an
0: interesting scene. Yeah, I told Emily we had, you know, 20 inches of snow. And then today I'm going to grill out tonight and probably eat outside, you know, (laughs) this weekend.
1: I think it's going to hit 61 or 66, 67 somewhere today.
0: Uh, Unbelievable. Yeah, all over the place. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, yeah, well, thanks for joining me for the podcast today. We've been on a little podcast hiatus, but we're going to jump back in. So apologize if I'm a little rusty. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to... Um, pick your brain, hear some stories. We're excited that you're back at Washita, and uh, just kind of wanted to to visit a little bit today. So thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you. It's it is good to be back home.
0: Yes, for sure. So yeah, like you said, it is you know February. There's snow piled up, and you know it's you know sixty something degrees today. But um, it's been a great uh, Black History Month here on campus. Lots of activities and and uh, things for students to do. Uh, you know, cultural activities. This being Black History Month, what can you tell us about Washtaw's Black History? Maybe uh, the beginnings of that time for the first African-American student, students. What can you tell us about Washaw's Black History?
1: You know, that's one of the things that I've been working on um, quite a bit since I've been back, and that is to connect with our alums. And in order to do that, you know, you've got to go back and dig up records and Find people you were very kind and supplying records, but uh, and I think some of the early ones didn't get switched over to the electronic form. Oh, yeah, so we're still finding people, um, who are not on our electronic list that uh, are alums of Washita. Uh, the first uh, black graduate of Washita is was Carolyn Green. And um, <clears throat> Carolyn is from Hot Springs originally. She lives in Maryland now.
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: but she came to Washita in 64, 1964. Uh, she had been at Henderson uh, from 62 to 64. And she transferred that fall. Uh, and she graduated two years later in 66. Okay. Uh, and and we, we laugh when we say she was Washita's first black graduate because also in that class was Gustine Williams from Arkadelphia, uh, who is now deceased. Uh, and she graduated in that class in May of 66, but Williams comes after green. So, uh, Carolyn said, I'm the first black graduate. <laughs> so we, we, we have a good laugh with that. Uh, on a couple of weeks ago, I found out, uh, that a person I've known for several years, uh, as a matter of fact, I baptized his daughters, uh, and they lived over in delight, uh, at Roosevelt Williams, Jr. And, and reading his obituary, I found out that he had completed a baccalaureate degree from Washita uh, in 1967. Oh, wow. And he was, we had to dig to find him, you know, to make certain that he did, uh, graduate. And, uh, and it was, uh. Uh, very interesting. Getting information from his family, mm-hmm. uh, he also transferred uh, to Washington sixty-five from Arkansas Baptist College to be closer to home. He lived off campus and commuted from Delight each day. Uh, Carolyn Green stayed on campus, okay, and and lived in O.C. Bailey uh, with a white roommate huh. uh, in, in nineteen sixty. Four. And and her story uh, uh, has been amazing to me. Uh, As a matter of fact, I spoke with her this morning because I've got a student who wants to uh, do a research project on her uh, from Dr. Spears' uh, political history class. So Carolyn has become some sort of sort of a celebrity all of a sudden, and that her name is being mentioned in reports and and, and ideas and concepts. Uh, and so uh, this is where we think the beginning of uh, integration for blacks began at Ouachita. Previously, there was a couple who uh, came to Washita uh, from Africa and, uh, and they were actually the first African students who were here and uh miss green and miss williams were the first african american students uh, who came uh, to washtaw
0: right how do you think that washtaw handled you know integration and the transition I, I mean i you know wasn't around to kind of see how that played out but i know that it was a tumultuous time you know in in little rock and even here in Arkadelphia. and you know how do you think that in the stories you've heard how did washtaw handle that process you know
1: Again, Washington is an extraordinary place on many levels, and I saw some things playing out in my conversations with people. Uh, and uh, for instance, uh, we don't have a lot of uh, examples to follow of people who did it right. I, I look across the street at Henderson and Maurice Horton, late Maurice Horton was the first black admitted to Henderson state university in 1955, graduated in 57. He transferred from AM and N, which is now of course UAPB, but his comments were they couldn't live on campus, couldn't eat in a dining hall. Uh, but Carolyn Green stayed on campus and OC Bailey had a white roommate, made a dining hall. So it was a few years later, but, uh, The comments that she made to me was that uh, people went out of their way. The staff and the faculty went to great lengths uh, to make me feel comfortable. She said it was a great experience. Um, And so that group uh, that came in the early part uh, felt welcome but then you dip into the seventies and late sixties and those who graduated and attended during that time, they speak of a different experience. And, and, and then there's another group, uh, that's, uh, after them who came in the mid seventies, that was my group. Okay. And, and, and my experience was totally different from the previous two. Uh, but, but it was, uh, I think Washington handled it well uh, for that time. Uh, Dr. Ralph Phelps was president then, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Dr. Phelps, uh, that was one of the things I think uh, that drove his administration is he wanted Washita to be integrated. Mm-hmm. And that, in, in all details of his life, from what I understand and read about him, uh, that's the way it played out.
0: Yeah, I can, I can see there's kind of some different time periods there of, you know, how things were changing yes. culturally in, in the country, but also yes. here on campus. Um, you know, how do you think Washtenaw has progressed in you know, welcoming students of color since the beginning? I know there's these different periods, but, um, what are some ways that Washtenaw kind of progressed? And so maybe some examples of faculty and administration that were pivotal in moving that forward from the beginning with Dr. Phelps, but then on forward.
1: Well, I think Washington has, has done well, uh, through the years in, in uh, making significant progress. Um, and Dr. Sells puts it this way. He said, "Washita is more diverse than ever in its history. And uh, he's correct with, uh, I think we have uh, 16% of our students are students of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very significant growth in Latino students. And I believe Latino students comprise about five point six seven percent by total student population, African-American students, about 6.8%. Uh, when you look at the numbers, especially for the Latino growth, you've got to go back and remember the first Latino graduate, uh, actually graduated in the spring of uh, 1979. So we don't have a long, as long a track record with Latino students as we do African-American students. Uh, when I talked to uh, Carolyn Green about people, uh, she and her memory is extremely clear, and uh, and she she can go into detail on events, uh, and she she rattled off some people who were very very instrumental in making her feel comfortable here, encouraging her. Uh, to to stay on and to graduate, and and she mentioned uh, Dr. Paul Root, mm-hmm. and 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 Dr. Root was over the ATAC Center, and uh, I don't know how, an acronym ATAC. I don't know if it was <laughs> fitting, but but that's what it was called: the Arkansas <laughs> Technical Assistance uh, Counselor Community or something. Okay, and 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 its purpose. It did not sound like. Its purpose. Its purpose sounded. its name sounded like it was a technical program to teach that. It was actually a program to help public schools integrate with with, with the fewest problems as possible. So Dr. Paul Root worked in that, and and uh, she mentioned Dr. Jim Rankino, mm-hmm. Uh Dr. Dr. Everett Slavens, I believe was was here when she uh, was here as a student. Uh, she mentioned. Uh, uh, people who really were instrumental in making her feel comfortable, the Quicks, uh, Dr. Mrs. Quick, Randolph Quick, mm-hmm. uh, lots of people. And and it's amazing that some of those same individuals that she mentioned uh, were here when I came and uh, and I really uh, enjoyed being in their presence. Uh, I think uh, that we had some administrators and during my time, that uh, and, and faculty who were, you know, just really working hard to make students feel comfortable and having a sense of belonging here. Uh, uh, Dr. Jim Kino was one of those. Uh, uh, Dean B. Alden Dixon, who offered me my first job uh, as a professional. Dr. Dewey Chappell and Dr. Charles Chambliss, uh, they were instrumental in Uh, working with students who had graduated from Arkansas Baptist College, but because their education department there was not accredited, Dr. Chambliss and Dr. Chappell figured out a way that those students could take nine hours uh, of graduate work, and that would take care of the certification of their teaching licensure but they would also be able to use those nine hours towards a 30 hours master's science in education. And so we have a multiplicity of African-Americans who have master's degrees from Washington because of the work of Dr. Chambliss and, and Dr. Chapel uh, in their lifetimes here. And then you have Dr. Grant. Uh, Dr. Grant was uh, the person who signed my first contract that I ever <laughs> was issued in the professional world in May of 1980. And and he often shared with me about his experiences of uh, working with the Black community in Davidson County, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the early 60s, he uh, devised a plan to consolidate the city and the county in a metro uh, plan form of government and governance. Uh, And so uh, it didn't work the first time, and someone told him, Well, well Dan, you didn't go to the black community and, and seek the input from the churches there. And so the second time, he, he rerouted his efforts and thinking and it passed. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, the Metro plan form of government may still be in effect in yeah, yeah. Tennessee. Mm-hmm. But uh, Dr. Grant is its author.
0: Yeah, I think we lived in Nashville for a number of years, and I don't think knew the connection there with the, the grants till after we got back here. But yes. it's kind of remarkable that that all happened, you know, from his planning, his, his dream in there. Um, as you've been connecting with alumni, I know you've talked to, you know, all kinds of folks through all these different uh, time periods and, and uh, things. What are some of the most interesting stories you've heard uh, from folks?
1: Well, probably... The most interesting one I've heard was something that happened before I got here. It was in the 70s, and there was a sit-in at the administration building. And I'm not certain what all of the issues were that students raised. At that time, it was Bass, uh, the Black American Student Society. And my junior year uh, here, I served as vice president of Bass. And I believe it was my senior year, I served as president of Bass. Um, And and so this was before my time here and I'm not certain what all of the issues were, but students staged a sit-in in uh, in the administration building, which was Grant Hall at that time, named after Dr. J.R. Grant. Mm -hmm. Dr. Daniel R. Grant came down and took the time to visit with students, talk about their issues and their concerns. And, uh, and, and and really started a healing process because uh, the students who uh, came over to talk with him uh, felt that, that there was, was not equality uh, hmm. on the campus. That's that second wave of students that I mentioned early on in the interview that had a different experience and, than the, the first group that came through or the ones who came afterwards. Uh, in this category, you have some students who've not been back to campus since they graduated. So there's some people here who've not been back to Washita in 45 plus years uh, for, for any event. And uh, one of the things I want to do is to get the word out to them that it's a different Ouachita, uh than in their day and age here. It's a different world. Um, and and I hope that they will
0: re-engage with uh, the Washington the community here. What were some of the issues in that time period for that kind of second wave of folks? Was it more in intolerance of other students or was it more of a, you know, administration environment kind of situation? What were some of those uh, situations?
1: Well, it was, it was, uh, I think it was probably with the students. Okay. Uh, And then, then I've heard some comments about, uh, you know, that there were issues with faculty and staff as well. Um, I reconnected with a person who was uh, a year behind me or two years behind me, maybe just a year. And we have, have been emailing back and forth and all of a sudden I decided I want to call her and talk with her Mm. and I did and it was a very good conversation a great visit but in the course of our visit I started hearing some dissatisfaction while this person was a student they kept talking and finally revealed to me that they had been a part of a social club here on campus and that they never received their patch Hmm. that goes on the jacket. And the person mentioned it a couple of more times during the conversation. They would go to the bookstore the person there saying, I don't know, we don't have them. I don't see the box or whatever. Uh, went there a couple of times and never got a patch, never got a, an offer to order this. Hmm. So I visited with Tim Harrell after my conversation, and I said, do you think we could find a patch uh, to sort of ease this And uh, this person had pledged in 1980 or 81. And so a few days later, I get in the mail a patch that he had sent me and I take out my notes, write her a note, put it in there and send it to her. And two days later, I get this phone call and she's crying uh, that after 40 years Uh, she said, this means as much to me now as it would have then. So it's going to take some of those things that we don't know about to find out about, to see. We can make some things right and reestablish connections with me.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Sometimes, you know, we'd love to have healing conversations. We just don't know where to start or don't know, you know, what those moments are like for people. So, I, I love that. That's great. Um, you know, why do you think it's important for Washtag to be taking steps to, you know, engage um, students, alumni, faculty, and staff of color and provide this sense of belonging? You know, that might might seem um, like an easy answer or something, but, you know, why do you think it's important for Washtag this time to really put some emphasis on Uh, this sense of belonging for for students and alumni, faculty, staff?
1: Well, I think to be productive, individuals must have a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got to feel that you fit in. But not only that you fit in, but that uh, you feel and you know that you are acknowledged because of your diversity, Uh, you are accepted, but then also to take that a step further, that you are appreciated. Hmm. Uh, and, And the fact is that everyone has something to bring to the table. And it's my hope that we can roll out the welcome mat of belonging, and, and when people will feel that they belong a place, and each one of us has a responsibility to make people feel that they belong. Uh, and and if we do that, students will flourish. Our faculty and staff will flourish. Uh, anytime you have to work under a cloud of, of, of fear of concern. Uh, it's always difficult to reach your full potential.
0: What uh, message do you have for alumni out listening today? You know, there may be, um, you know, alumni of color listening today or just uh, other alums out there today. What, what are some things you would like uh, people to know from your uh, standpoint today?
1: I want them to know this appreciate your Washita experience and degree, uh, appreciate it. I worked here for several years and left. And right after I left, I asked myself the question, did I make a mistake? <laughs> I, I appreciate my experience away from here, but I longed for the setting, I longed for the people every day and i would always run into folks and i'll say hi things of wash are great we miss you The things of things are great and i uh when dr sales came and made me the offer to come back home i could barely contain myself uh because i appreciated my washita experience and and i would say to our alums if you are and currently engaging with the universe to continue that engagement. We appreciate it. We love hearing from you. Uh, and if you, uh, if you've not been engaging with the universe, do so just reach out to some of us. And 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 that's what we're here for to, to, to make you uh, uh, remember those days that you were here and those experiences that you have. And hopefully uh, you've grown from those uh, experiences. Speaking with an alum this morning, I uh, called for one reason. We ended up talking about something else. And she says, I want to pour into a student. I want to invest financially. And I said, great, we can help you make that happen. That's not a problem. And and, and once you have that appreciation for uh, your alma mater, and I believe that uh, that word alma mater, the term means uh, uh, mother, the nurturer, uh, nurturing mother. So we we uh we want people to play it forward and investing in others.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think there's probably folks listening today that you know would love to give back or be connected to Washon, just don't know how. So yeah, I think encouraging them to reach out and, and give us that chance to help them reconnect, I think is great. Absolutely. Uh, you know, shifting gears a little bit to your Washita story, how did you hear about Washita? What led you uh, to come here as a student?
1: I had never heard.
0: Of, well, well,
1: I, I knew some of Washita. I'd never had any concrete information on it. I knew it was in Arkadelphia. I'd never visited the campus. And oh, about my sophomore year in college, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, we had a youth pastor whose name was Jesse Gossett from Camden, who was a student at Washita at the time. And uh, and I would hear him talk about Washita and, and, uh, and then he talked so gloriously of it. I wanted to leave high school right then and come to Washita. And, you know, uh, he, he told me about others who were on campus. And sometimes he would bring them down and one of them would preach. And it was uh, Dwight McKissick and Ricky Armstrong. And I got to know these people and and hearing their stories of of what, how that Washita education was really helping them to flourish in their ministry. Uh, My parents and I came to campus in March or April. I applied that day and they said, well, but are you sure you want to apply today? And I go some other, there's no other place I want to go. <laughs> so not only did I apply that day, I paid my housing deposit that day. Uh, and that was my first trip there and my only trip to any school that I was seriously looking at. Uh, and again, it goes back when I got out of the car and met Randy Garner, who was an admissions counselor at that time. Uh, I felt that sense of belonging. It was there, and 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 I saw it in the experiences of other students who looked like me, and that that made all the difference in the world.
0: Uh, how did Washedell prepare you for your career? Uh, did you start start in education, but also do ministry at the same time? You know, how did Washedell prepare you for that?
1: It was a great experience in completing the degree, it it was really fun. Dr. Cecil Sudley, who passed away uh, last year, I believe at a hundred, was my college advisor. Hmm. And uh, I have an undergraduate degree that's a BA in pastoral ministries and religion, but I have a minor in history, but I also took enough education hours to be certified to teach. So uh, I, I got the best out of the, the education I could get, you know. I did practice teaching at Gurdon uh, my senior year, and I quickly decided uh, this is not for me. I don't want to teach high school or junior high. It's certainly not elementary. <laughs> that's not That's not my cup of tea, and I appreciate the people who do those things. But I wanted to work with college students, either as an administrator or uh, in the classroom as a professor. So uh, Ouachita, uh taught me the value uh, of, of each human being uh, on a level that I had not been previously exposed to or experienced. Uh, it, it, it was an education that, uh, that I still use today after 40 plus years, I still use my Washver education today. And and it it uh, it prepared me.
0: Have you kind of always served bivocationally, serving in your church and serving in your in, you know education roles? What's that been like?
1: Pretty much so. Um, for six years, I was assistant and youth pastor, and then for the last 39 years, I've served as senior pastor and in some administrative role at the university. And uh, it's, uh, it, it's been such a fulfilling and rewarding experience to me. Uh, I enjoy helping people, uh, especially when I can see them turn around and to help others. And, and we must remember as Christians and as citizens that we are to be constantly investing in the lives of people uh, as they are made better we are made better Uh, I like the comment the quote from Bill Burnett he said uh, how we walk with the broken speaks louder than how we sit with the great Hmm. and uh, it's our inherent duty to make certain that those uh, who are around us are taken care of. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of long hours and not many days off in the course of a month. There's always plenty to do, plenty of needs to be addressed and met. But one of the things that has helped me tremendously is that, Number one, the churches where I've pastored is have just tremendous staff members who know their jobs and who do them well and know how to empower others. So that takes a tremendous load off in knowing that you've got people who are capable of handling things uh, in their particular area. Uh, but also the second thing is the churches where I have pastored, uh, were intentionally set up to resemble a higher education model.
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: And Greater Pleasant Hill to this day still has that model that resembles Washita. and the church that I pastored in Camden for 18 years uh, plus ago. Uh, I assume they still have that model. And therefore, you don't have to switch from one side of your brain to the other to Take care of things that need to be done.
0: That's neat. Uh, You know, I know a lot of, you know, Arkadelphia folks have come to know you really well through church and then through the universities. And we hear stories all the time of of lives you've impacted and touched. So um, really appreciate your investment in, you know, in Washtenaw and Henderson, in the church, in the community. And you just, what a a blessing to have your wisdom here uh, on campus. So we're so glad that you're, that you're home, that you're with us back here. At
1: oh, I'm so glad to be back. I've just asked the Lord to put me wherever he needed me to serve. And I will do my best.
0: I love it. Uh, do you have some favorite Washington memories or things you were involved in as a student, some things from your time? Well,
1: uh, Dean B. Alden Dixon is listening to this. I don't want him to come back. I think the statute of limitation has run out. Uh, <laughs> But uh, my favorite as a student time was Battle of the Ravine week. You know, that was just uh, uh, always uh, a, a very interesting week. And uh, I, and if you would say what was my least favorite memory uh, as a staff member, it would be uh, Battle of the Ravine week as well. Uh, <laughs> because it was about, about that time it started getting uh, dangerous, in the early eighties. And, you know, for a while we went without having it at all. Mm-hmm. So um, it had got gotten, gotten out of hand, but, but, you know, it used to be a fun time, a prank time when I first got here and, and dealing with that. Uh, and uh, my favorite time as an alum and staff member is, is certainly homecoming. When you get a chance to see people uh, many times that you've not seen in, in several years uh, to, to, be able to come back home and 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 you know to to hear people say I wish I lived in this community I wish I could come back makes you makes you feel really good when you know that these people have been successful in other places and uh, they have uh, been difference makers in the communities in which they live to say you know I wish I could come back to arcadelphia someday it's it's a great it's a great feeling
0: yeah I think we you know, there's so many benefits to being here with the universities and things. And, you know, for all the things we might see as negatives with, you know, small town, not as many things to do or restaurants. There's also so many great things about being here. I, I caught myself talking to a student worker about, you know, I'm just living the dream down here in Arkadelphia in this small town. And he said, isn't it great? Isn't it the best place? It is a great, great place for sure. Yeah.
1: You know, f- f- several years ago, we had a a task force that Dr. Westmore and pulled together. and uh, and it was pretty much to find out why students w- want to come here and what we can do to enhance that. And we did a lot of surveys. and it's amazing the number of surveys, surveys from uh, adults who lived in larger cities and communities and said, I want my child to be away from this in a small, quiet community. Mm. Uh, and, and that was one of the leading factors of many parents saying it's safe. And, and, you know, that's one of the things that uh, we, we see that Arkadelphia is still one of the safest uh, cities our size in the entire region.
0: Mm.
1: And we want to keep it that way uh, uh, to protect our, not only our citizens, but our temporary citizens, our students who come here to this community.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think so many great examples of, you know, peace in our community and, and great leadership that, you know, want this place to stay safe and, and wholesome for folks. So, yeah, I think that's true. I think that's good. Well, Dr. Shepard, thanks for taking some time today. And yeah, thanks again for taking this charge and coming back and helping, you know, lead, us in these uh, areas of, you know, diversity and inclusion and belonging. And again, we just want to say, you know, we appreciate you so much and, and thanks for your investment here.
1: Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure to be with you today. It's been my pleasure to serve Washington. Awesome.
0: Well, thanks again. We look forward to uh, folks hearing this and uh, reaching back out to us if they want to connect with the university. So thanks again, Dr. Shepard. Thanks for listening to the Tiger for Life podcast. Be sure to rate and subscribe so you won't miss out on future episodes.